Good morning, saints. I just wanted to welcome you to another message on Network for Encouragement. I hope you enjoy listening to this message as much as we meditated on it. For the saying, ask the Lord for rain. The rain here represents the power and his presence. The rain here represents God himself showing up at the time of a need. God's presence oversees everything that we deal with in this earth. So we all are looking for his presence. Uh, earlier today, Miss Laurie was talking about like how, you know, her mother-in-law passed away um, this week and that uh, she's in a good place. And the thing is that, you know, someone on the line said like, uh, we all look forward to be you know, with him, in his presence. We are striving to be in his presence, right? And so today morning, we wanted to go back thousands, hundreds and thousands of years back to the book of Exodus. The next couple of weeks, we're just going to look at the, the tabernacle and we're going to look at, you know, the different furnitures that are in Tabernacle. We actually got started on Friday night on one of the furnitures, brazen altar. But this morning, I want to go after another furniture that is in the Tabernacle. And how does it apply to us today? When Moses was just like a taking the children of Israel out of Egypt, they are in this exodus. They have already crossed through the Red Sea. They have seen miracles happen. And right at that point, right, there was like a moment in time, he would separate himself from everybody else. And he would go and just like a spend some time with God in Mount Sinai. And when he does spend some time in the mountain, what happens is this, that the, the God of this universe comes and talks to him, right? And at one point, Moses was just like a really crying out to God and saying, like, a God, this is just like, a, you know, I cannot do this anymore. And he was just like a, having so much a weight in his conversation over the sins of the people around. And God just like a, gave him the Ten Commandments. Not only he gave the Ten Commandments for the people, like a, a benchmark, but he also gave a blueprint of how his temple is going to look like. If you have your Bibles, I want you you're going to go to a couple of places before we actually settle down on where we want to be. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 25. And here, God is speaking to Moses on verses 8 and 9. He says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is, here's where God is talking about, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings. Just so you shall make it. It's not like a God is saying like, oh, I'm just going to be there because I, I, I don't have any other place to go to. No, 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 no. 
God is actually wanting to be in our presence just as we want to be in his presence. God wants to be in our midst just as we want to be in his midst. They're wandering in the desert, and God says, at this point of their wandering, I want to bring them all together under one roof, under one temple, under one name, right? And so that's why he says there is a sanctuary. There is a place of refuge. There is a place I want my people to be. So he gives this blueprint, and he says to them, even why in Exodus 29, 45 and 46, I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. Here, God is saying, I want to dwell. I want to live in the midst of my children. I want to be in their life. I want to know what is going on in their life. That was the reason why he said, let's build a sanctuary where we can get our people together. And so in this uh, next couple of weeks, we will talk about the, the, the full breadth of like a, what that tabernacle looked like. We'll talk about the court room, the outer court, which is where people would come in. And then we will walk into the holy place where there are some furnitures there. And then there is a veil, and then past the veil is the holy of holies, the second sanctuary. So there is a first sanctuary where everybody came. And then once a year, the high priest will go through the veil to the second sanctuary, which is the Holy of Holies. And in this whole pattern of the tabernacle that God is talking about, I mean, it is given in length, in cubits. When God gives instructions, he's not going to give it to us like in a random fashion. He's going to give every single detail that we need to know, right? And so here also about those seven furnitures, that's going to be in the tabernacle, he talks to us in detail. The, the altar of sacrifice or a brazen altar, this is where when they walk into the temple or the tabernacle, the first thing that they see is this brazen altar where the sacrifices were made. And we'll come to it because we just had that um, on Friday night, but the, you know, as we go through, I'm going to come on the reverse of this temple. Um, and so um, we'll come towards the end to the brazen altar. Um, we will have like a, either um, Sarah or uh, Vince, you have to mute. Um, the, 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 the labor of washing, which is what the priests were, would wash their hands, before they go into the sanctuary, it's talking about like a how on a daily basis we have to clean ourselves. Then they enter into the holy place where they see this golden lampstand where God put this as a, a light not only for the children of Israel, but for the Gentiles too. Anyone who comes 
in contact with him. He wants to make a room for everybody. There is a showbread, that table, there is a golden table where the showbread is, a place where the priests would eat with the common people, a place where God shows up to eat with every one of us. And then there is a golden altar of incense before we go into the, the, the Holy of Holies where the second sanctuary has like a two other furnitures, the, the mercy seat and the ark. So these seven pieces of the furnitures we will talk about, we'll talk about the outer court, we'll talk about the, um, the, what is there uh, in each of these things and, and how it does apply to us uh, even today, right? So this morning, I actually want to start from inside the Holy of Holies and come out, okay? So the, the thing is, if you are just like in the verses looking for things, I, uh, the, the, the first place that we would start is Exodus chapter 25. And these verses from 17 through 22 gives a full description of the mercy seat this morning. I want to run to the mercy seat. I want to be in the presence of the mercy seat. And and the thing is that there's so much that is happening on this mercy seat. In fact, every other furniture out there, those seven furnitures that we talked about that are out there, they were all made out of acacia wood and then on top of it, they would put the gold, whereas the mercy seat is the only one where it was purely made out of gold. It was the only one where not, no other corruption happened to the material that was used to, to make. This is the place where God just sat down. This is the place. If you're looking at it, uh, the verses in Exodus chapter 25, I want you to look carefully at the verse 22. Exodus 25, verse 22. He is talking about why does he need this mercy seat. If we read from 17 to 21, it gives the full description of what that mercy seat looks like. But here, God is saying, why do I need this mercy seat? And there, I will meet with you. Isn't that amazing? We are looking for God. We are looking for his presence. We are looking for his reign. And God says, sure, I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from about the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims, which are on the Ark of the Testimony, about everything which I will give you in the commandments to the children of Israel. God is saying, not only I will meet with you, I will also speak to you from the mercy seat. Right? And the, and the word, the original word for this is kapora. That's the, um, the, the, the name for this mercy seat. And, and the reason why this is so important for us to study today is this. 
Not that uh, it is made out of solid gold or a cherubim and things. We will talk about them. But the most important thing is this. Once a year, the high priest goes inside to this place. When he goes inside this place, they always tie him with a little bit of a bell around his waist or he will have a bell because nobody actually went into this holy of holies. Nobody went into this place because it was so sacred. Sometimes when I see like a, these modern day churches, we, I, I don't know whether we have lost this sanctity in the temple, in our churches. Because the same church pulpit that was used, they removed the pulpit and it becomes a, a concert place. We remove that pulpit. There is like a new sacredness given to some of these important places God is talking about. God is dwelling in this place. We need to have, I know God is everywhere, but at the same time, there is a sanctity that needs to be maintained in the temple. Temple cannot be rented for doing dramas and concerts. It cannot multipurpose the temple. Temple is a place where people have to come. There are times in the past when people were sick, when the people needed comfort in their heart, when the people needed some place to go to, they actually went to the temple. They didn't go once a week to listen to uh, some amazing speaker who, who just like it gives the word of God. They went there whenever they needed the comfort. We need to main, maintain and manage that kind of a sanctity in our temples, in our churches this days as well. And because it's very important to go to the Holy of Holies, we can care on our knees today. We can get to the Holy of Holies. You and I are the temple, but still, I really believe of going into a place where I can pray. And so, once a year, the high priest will go in with the sacrificial blood that was taken from the brazen altar, and he will sprinkle it on the mercy seat to obtain the forgiveness for the sins of this nation Israel. And so I, I did a very quick look up this year. It's actually September 25th. It's called the Day of Atonement. Once a year, the day that they go in is called the Day of Atonement. The, the priests still, you know, in Israel, uh, they, they just like to go in to do this. Um, and, and, the, and the thing is that what just like struck me are two things. Number one, their forgiveness that, the, that they had in those days, like, uh, you know, that the priest would go in. Somebody would go in on their behalf in front of the king and just like pour, pour the blood. And God's not like, a, oh, shame on you. You did this, and now you're coming to me for forgiveness. He's not going to say that. He is the God of mercy, and he sits on that mercy seat. And that's why today we're just going to look at the, all those things that are important, that are reliant for us today. What is the importance of this mercy seat today? This is a place where things are made right. 
the priest, when he sprinkles that sacrificial, that's the number one thing that I'm going to talk about today, is this sacrificial blood that is poured on the mercy seat. What is the importance of it, right? Today, everywhere we go, I don't know whether you realize or not, there is so much of fear. People are scared of this pandemic. People are scared of someone suing them. People are scared with uh, their marriages being broken. People are scared of the economy going down. People are scared of like how they would make it to the end of this year. People are scared because of their sickness in their body. But the, here's the thing. Have you ever realized in all of this, where is God? Where is God in all of these? Right? And so here are the two illustrations that I want to talk about this morning. Number one, it comes in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where it's talking about a woman who was sick for 12 years. If you realize that, that this story comes in all of these four Gospels, but the one that has a, a lot more description, if you're going to do a little bit of study on this area, I would ask you to go to Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48, where it's talking about this woman and what happened to her for 12 years that she was sick and she could not do anything. She tried to do everything. She was going to doctor. She spent all the money that she had, but she was still not getting well. So one day, she hears that Jesus was coming by her town. And in those days, when a woman was sick with a disease like she had, she was not allowed to go in front of people. But then, this particular day, when she heard that Jesus was coming through, she decided to herself, I'm going to go and touch just his clothes. If I touch him, he becomes, you know, unclean as well. So I'm going to just touch the, 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 the hem of his garment. She made up in her mind, I'm not going to leave today when Jesus is coming to my town. I'm going to... Press on. I'm going to press on. I'm going to push people. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go to the middle where my Savior is. And I'm going to touch not just anything, but just a small piece of his cloth. And when she did that, instantly, the Bible says, immediately, there was a power that was left from Jesus's body. And Jesus was asking, who touched me? And the, the disciples were saying, God, there's so many people touching you. What do you mean who touched you? Right? And Jesus said, no, no, no. There was a power that left it from me. There is a power that we have access to. There is a reign that we have access to. There is a place that we can go to. And this is the place Right where she was going to, touching the hem of his garment. And immediately, she was cured. But then, later, on the contrast, 
in Matthew 27, after Jesus was crucified, nailed to the cross, verses 35 says, the soldiers gambled with the dice to decide who would get Jesus' cloth. Jesus was wearing a seamless dress that was not torn. He was clean. He was very good. And so the soldiers who pulled his dress down, they were just like a gambling, right? And uh, they were trying to see who would get it. And so they were throwing his dress around so that everybody can just look at his dress and touch it and, you know, look at it. And then they were putting a lot on his dress to see who would get it. And I was thinking to myself, did that dress that woman touched lost its power? Is that why these guys can throw it around and just not get like any miracles happen? Their life's not restored. Their heart's not changed. The thing is this. The power was not lost from the dress. The power was not left from this earth. The reason why they did not see a miracle happen is because they did not touch that dress with the faith. They didn't touch that dress with an expectation. They didn't touch that dress with the hope of a change. And that's exactly what we as a church is doing week after week. I'm so tired of this Christian life where I don't see a miracle happen in my life. Uh, I don't see God speaking to me like before. I don't see God working the, the miracles like before. I am so tired of this boring Christian life. I'm saying, God, I want to see you alive. I want to see you change. I want to see you cure the sickness. I want to see you break the bondage. I want to see you alive in my life. And that kind of life that we would get only when we go to the mercy seat. And the thing is this, the power of God will get exposed. The wonder-working power of God, the wonder-working power that is in the blood of my Savior will be exposed when we get to the mercy seat. The enemy has convinced us, even as a church, we are ready to talk about everything else but the blood of Jesus. That is a miracle, wonder-working miracle in the blood of our Savior. And that blood is what is poured on your behalf and my behalf on that mercy seat. No longer the calf and the bull and the goat and the sheep blood were poured into the mercy seat. It's the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the earth is poured on that mercy seat. Just like John one twenty nine says, it is the lamp of God. He is the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world is poured in that place. And Jesus' blood is still speaking from that place. And I was thinking to myself, 
if Jesus' blood is speaking still from that place, is this mercy still real for me? We've seen in so many ways. How does his mercy get translated? How does his mercy get transformed into the lives of people? And then just God reminded me of this girl that I met six years ago. I don't want to call her name out, so we will call her as a girl X. And the thing is this, her, 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 um, she's an African-American girl, and she was running away from her home. Her caregiver was very worried about her, and, uh, um, and at that point is when, uh, you know, I got involved to know about this beautiful girl. And so when I talked to her, she didn't have a lot of hope. Why? Because she said, and so many people have talked to her like this before, and she didn't, she didn't trust, right? And so I asked her after the first conversation that I had with her, I asked her, honey, what can I do to help you? And I know she was testing to see whether I am real, right? And so she said, Mr. Ciro, I need a laptop, okay? So two weeks later, I showed up in Greenwell with a laptop and she could not believe and she was crying and she hugged and she said, oh, nobody has done this for me. And I said, sat down to talk to her and she was telling about her story. She said her mom is the first one to go to college in her generation. Nobody before had gone to a college in her generation. And her dad is serving time in a prison in Perry Correctional. I don't know whether where he is right now, but at that point he was in Perry Correctional for killing a mother. And she said, she saw that and she lost all hope. But then somehow, she just like a found, you know, a, 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 her uh, aunt or someone who just like a, took care of her. And uh, as she was growing, she was having so much of rebelliousness and anger and frustration and vengeance towards her father because he took what is so precious for her. And the, and the years passed by and she started to get to know you know, the other things that are happening in this ministry. And so she started to get involved a little bit at a time. And she got her brother involved as well. But then after three, three and a half years later, we had an event in Perry Correctional. I know Miss Sarah was there, Miss Brenda was there at that night. For the first time, we took the mother's into the prison so that those men can wash their mother's feet and ask for forgiveness, letting them know, Mama, you haven't done anything wrong for me to deserve this, right? And at that time, when we asked this girl, do you want to come because your dad is there? For the first time after three and a half years, 
she decided to go see her father and let her father ask for forgiveness and wash her feet. And she took time to not only just accept that, but also to show mercy to her father. She hugged, she smiled, and they just had a precious time that night in that prison. And then her life moved on. And now she is, she went on to go to USC to do her, her, what her mother started. That's what she asked for. She said, Mr. Shiro, I want to complete what my mom has started. And this summer, she's going to come out finishing her undergraduation. Here is one person, one story that I'm sharing with you this morning of how because she showed mercy to her father, God showed mercy to her. What healed this baby girl is not the intellect of this world. What healed her is the blood of my Savior that was poured on that mercy seat. You and I have access to the very same mercy seat that this girl had access to. You and I can take part every single moment of our life to go through to the Holy of Holies and touch this mercy seat. This morning, I'm here to encourage you not to give up on any relationship that you have that's broken. I'm here to encourage you to not give up on the lost business that you may have. Don't give up on the things that are broken in your life. Don't give up on the person that you love or spending time in prison. Don't give up on the person who you loved has betrayed you. Don't give up. Why? Because that mercy seat is a constant reminder to you and me that when you go into that mercy seat, when you touch that mercy seat, that mercy seat becomes alive in your life and my life. In the olden days, they had an expiry date every year. They had to go in because every year they had an expiration date for their mercy and forgiveness. That's why they were trying to go again and again and again. Today, God has broken the veil into two pieces when he got on the cross, on that rugged cross when he gave his life, offered his blood in that mercy seat. Everything is made equal for us to go to the mercy seat this morning. I'm reminding you about this blood that is still alive in your life and my life. The sacrificial blood is already poured and we are done. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The next thing that I want to talk about is like a God. If you read that verse very carefully, it says, I will meet you and I will speak to you. God wants to speak to you and me 
In fact, there is a verse that I really love in Malachi, the book of Malachi. It says that when those who fear the Lord talk to each other, the Father in heaven listens and hears their conversation. God wants to speak to you and me. God is in the mode of speaking to you and me. You and I have an access to this mercy seat where we can listen to his voice. A lot of times we want to listen to his voice. We want directions in our life. But God says, I will give it to you. You need to listen, right? In the Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 7, verses 89. I did not realize that there are chapters like, um, you know, number 7. They had 89 verses. If you are thinking of like a, Memorizing a chapter, I encourage you to try this one. Numbers chapter 7, on the 89th verse, this is the last verse of that chapter. It says, when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, to speak with God. When, when Moses wanted to go speak to God, he doesn't need to go to Mount Sinai all the time. You and I doesn't need to go to Mount Sinai all the time. We can go speak to him anytime, right? And here's what the Bible says. He heard the voice of the one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between two cherubims. Thus, he spoke to him. The point is this, we have a God who is still speaking to his people. Unless we get to the mercy seat, unless we have our ears to calm down to listen, we may not be able to listen to his voice. But here is what God is saying, speaking from his mercy seat. The two things that is just like so important about this mercy seat. Number one, the mercy seat reminds of a judgment, reminds of the law, reminds that we all have sinned and we all need a savior. The second thing that the mercy seat says is that the God of this universe will not hold any grudge against you and me. Mercy holds back what we do deserve, the judgment, the condemnation. He holds it back. That's why in Isaiah 43, God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. God says, not for your sake. I'm just going to, because I love you so much. I want to be with you so much. I wanted to take this this hindrance, this guilt, this separation out of you and me, the very fact that he poured this blood, this precious sacrificial blood on that mercy seat is because he says, for my own sake, I really want you as much as you want me. I want to be with you for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. And the same thing is repeated when Paul writes in Hebrews 8.12, he says, For I will be merciful to the unrighteous and their sins, unrighteousness and their sins, and their lawless 
deeds I will remember no more. It's not like a God wants to forget what we did. Instead, he says he will not remember them no more. When, when he is ready to talk from that mercy seat, he doesn't need to talk to us from the mercy seat. In fact, he may not have even gone to the cross. He may not have shed the blood from the cross. The very fact he did that is because he wants to reconcile our mistakes, our iniquities, blot out everything that we are. So when he speaks to us, when he wants to speak to us, when he has the desire to speak to us, he says, oh my goodness, they are not able to come to my presence because of those things that are blotting them, that are hurdling them, that are just like taking them away from my presence. I'm going to take that thing that is separating me and my child. And I'm going to settle it once and for all that they will have access to this mercy seat. And that's why when Jesus died on that cross, he tore the veil that separated the holy place from holy of holies. So he gives us access. For what? So that he can talk to us. The third thing that this mercy seat reminds us. The first one, the mercy seat reminds us is his blood and how his blood is still alive. The wonder-working blood is still there. The second thing God reminds us is that the fact that he put the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant is because he can sit on that mercy seat and he can talk to you and me. The third thing that the mercy seat reminds us today is that we need to make room for mercy in our life. First Chronicles chapter 28 verses 11 says, David is trying to give instructions to his son Solomon in this chapter. First Chronicles chapter 28, right? He's talking about all the things that he needs to do in building the temple David knows that he doesn't have too much time left and he's going to die and he's not the one who's going to build the temple. So he calls his son and he gives him instructions on how he can build that temple. And look at the verse 11. He says, David gave his son Solomon the plans for the versatile, it's his house, it's treasures, it's upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of mercy seat. He didn't say the place for Ark of the Covenant. He didn't say the place for the tabernacle to have a, a brazen altar. David was giving a very clear instruction about a mercy seat that he knows that he received from God. The fact that David's talking about is because David has tasted God's mercy. When he showed mercy to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, right? he may not have shown mercy to him. God saw what David did and showed mercy to David. 
even when he did something wrong with the Bathsheba and her husband to kill him, God still showed mercy because David was showing mercy to Jonathan's son. This is the part I really love. And this is one thing I want to leave with you of all the things that I've said today. I want you to go back and read Micah chapter 6, verses 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, you can actually put like O man or O woman, right? This translation says, He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? He thinks, you know, he has done all the things so far. He has done what he has promised. He has fulfilled all his promises by sending his son to that rugged cross. And he says, I've done my part. Here's what I want from you. To do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. There are three things God is asking us to do. And one of the core things right in the middle of it is the mercy. There was a a song we have done, we have read this song so many times in the past as well. This is a song by Matthew West. It's called Forgiveness. In that song, he says, forgiveness is the hardest thing to give away. Mercy is the hardest thing to give away. The last thing on your mind today. Mercy always goes to those who don't deserve. If I just replace all his words where he puts it, I'm going to replace the forgiveness with the mercy. It says mercy is the opposite of how you feel. When the pain they caused is just so real, takes everything you have to say, the word. Mercy. Mercy flies in the face of all your pride. Mercy moves away the mad inside. Mercy is always anger's worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say, you have got a right to hold a grudge. Mercy whispers in your ears saying, set it free. This morning, I just want you to think about these verses of how God is talking about the mercy is so critical that he is saying to you and me, we have to let it go, some of the grudge that we have. We need to love the person. We need to love everyone that is around us. We need to take this mercy to the next level in this journey. Because when we do show mercy, that's why the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is one of the Beatitudes that God has just put right in the middle of all the Beatitudes. It's a core Beatitude that the mercy is spoken. A couple of years ago, we had a chance to uh, have a vacation in Europe. And we were traveling uh, about like a 21 days we were there. And we were going to different places. But the, there's like a, a, one thing that we saw 
um, when we hit Rome, everywhere we went, people talked about Michelangelo. Right? This is a guy that everybody had like so much of respect for in that place. Uh, when you go into the 16th chapel or you go into the cathedral, you see Michelangelo everywhere talked about, right? <clears throat> but one thing that struck us the most is that wherever he went, he did a, a, so many drawings, but one of those sculptures that he did was on Moses. And I want you to Google Michelangelo's Moses. The reason why I'm saying that is because the image of Moses he, he has drawn has a horn in Moses' head, like a devil's horn. He has actually painted and also sculpted Moses with two horns. You know why he did that? Because that the Latin translation for the glory of God was interpreted as horns. So that's why when he did all his paintings and sculptures, he actually put two horns for Moses. Right? It was a bad translation, right? We often do the same thing to the people. We draw the horns on each other. When we don't get to see eye to an eye on a problem, we tend to put a, a horn on that other person. God says, is uh, reminding us today, the mercy prevails. Moses didn't have horns in his head. And today, God is saying, you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you and I are the ones who are drawing the horns on the people, not realizing that when we do that part, we are actually separating ourselves so far away from the mercy seat, because the Bible says, you know, he will show mercy to those who show mercy. When you look at this picture, I want you, when you get a chance to go back to Exodus chapter 25, and I want you to read from 17 to 22. But this morning, I'm going to read a small portion of that. Again, in verse 18, it's talking about the two cherubims that are made out of gold, that are sitting on top of this mercy seat. And it says in verse 18, and you shall make two cherubims of gold. This is the only, um, you know, furniture. Everything in the furniture is made out of gold, okay? And hammered work, you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Those mercy seats like, a, you know, runs uh, with a certain cubits. Don't worry about the cubits and the length and all those things. But God says at both ends of that mercy seat, place the two cherubims. Make one cherubim on one end and the other on the other end. You shall make the cherubims at the two ends of it, of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another, and the face of the cherubim shall be towards 
the mercy seat. Sometimes when we don't see things eye to an eye, we are opposite side of each other. But under the mercy seat, God says, you don't need to look at the other person or the things. You don't need to be in agreement with them. Look at me. Look at the merciness that I bring to the, the table. You and I are saved by the blood, redeemed and salvaged through his rugged cross. A lot of times we are not perfect people. Our marriages may not be perfect. Our ministry may have flaws in it. He may break people's heart with our words. But here God is saying, in spite of all those things, I want you to look at my mercy seat. And, and there is a Greek mythology that, uh, you know, we also saw last week another mythical, um, you know, story or a mystical story that we saw. Um, you know, I wanted to take to this Zentaur, uh, one of the goddess, gods of the Greek, invites the other gods for a dinner. And for that dinner, he says, bring the wonderful thing in the world. And one of the gods, Asat, brings the tongue. That was the wonderful thing for the dinner. He was bringing a gift to the, the, the god, the host god, right? That, that he brought a tongue. So after the dinner, he just said to the, uh, the other gods, next, tomorrow, when you guys come in for a dinner, bring the worst thing uh, that you could think of. And so the next day night, when they came for dinner, they actually brought the tongue again. The thing, the reason why I'm saying this this morning is that one of the places that where we could go wrong is when we speak with the same mouth that we praise God, we also curse somebody. With the same the tongue that we lift up God's name, we also put people down. This morning, I know we talked about even last week, from fasting on bitterness. And the thing is that this morning I'm telling and reminding just me as well as I'm reminding to you that the next time when our tongue loses its, its nerve to say something to somebody, let the mercy seat of God remind you to hold back what you're going to say. This has to be a reminder. The mercy seat has to be a reminder for you and me. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12, we no longer have the, the goat's blood or uh, uh, the calf's blood. We have a precious blood poured into that mercy seat. That's why, you know, even when... When, when Mary Magdalene went to see Jesus after three days, after he was buried three days, she goes so she can anoint the body. And, and when she went there, she saw two angels sitting on both sides. Just a reminder of the mercy seat. What was in the middle was nothing but Jesus' clothes, well folded and left in that place with two angels sitting on both sides today. You and I have an access to that. Number one, 
I talked about the blood of Jesus that was poured on the mercy seat that is still alive. The blood of Jesus speaks even today and wants to reconcile. And the same mercy seat today reminds us to show mercy to the people that we come in contact with. We don't have any more rails. You and I have access to this wonderful place where God says, I will open the doors for you to come into me. People may say, oh, that was just like an Old Testament text that happened thousands of years ago. But you know what? This morning, I'm here to remind you, make no mistake about this. The historical realities, there is enough evidence that God gave this instructions to Moses. The tabernacle is real. The Ark of Covenant that we will talk about is real. The mercy seat is real. The cross is real. The empty tomb is real. The woman who saw those angels are real because it's all recorded. And the Christ that is sitting on the mercy seat is inviting you and me today to put, remove things out of our life that is not necessary. We need to go from glory to glory. If, if we are already spiritual, we need to go one step closer to God in our spiritual walk. If you're already showing mercy to people, go. let's go one more step closer to him by showing to our fellow citizens and the neighbors and our family members a little bit more mercy because God says I'm the one who's inviting you to my mercy seat and I'm the one who's making this available to you blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy this morning as we look at this furniture and I will send as an email today, when I send the email, I will send you the mercy seat picture on it. And I want you to either print it or remind yourself to this place that we have access to. And that God will just like remove every bitterness out of our heart, every unkind words out of our mouth, every devious thoughts from our head that he will say to every single time the enemy drops a seed of unmerciful act that God will remind us that my blood has already paid for all of those things. Just like that girl showing mercy to her father. It would have been a hard thing for her to do. But because she showed mercy to her dad, God has shown mercy to her by going and opening doors. This year, she's not only finishing her undergraduate program, she's actually going to the master's degree. And she said, Mr. Cyril, I want to complete what my mom has started. This is her desire. And God says, I will make it, make a room for the mercy in your life. And that's why today, this morning, that blood that was shed on that mercy seat 
is still alive. My prayer is that you will touch that mercy seat this morning. Praise the Lord. Brother Vince. Thank you, Cyril. Thank you for that message this morning. And it was challenging to me, and I'm sure it was challenging to all of us. For that example you gave of the mercy seat, that's something I've never really studied or heard about. So that was uh, very educational and uh, really touched my heart. But, you know, the the example you gave about the, the lady with the hem, touching her hem, that that what she did with through faith in reaching out for Jesus, she went through all ends for years trying to get healing. And all she needed to do was touch a piece of his garment. Oh, uh, I just learned so much from that, of that mercy that Jesus gave to her. Oh, through that, through that uh, example she set. And just the example of the mercy seat, I, I think how we practically apply it today, uh, he wants to talk to us. God wants to talk to us and he wants to be heard. Is is the mercy of, you know, sometimes I struggle between mercy and grace. And you defined mercy, you know, it's something that he holds back. He holds back judgment. And we all deserve judgment because we're all sinful. But he gave us that mercy seat that we can access every day. Hallelujah. Unlike in the, uh, back in the days of the Old Testament, it was only accessed once a year by the chief priests Hallelujah. through Jesus' blood. And we have that privilege of accessing that mercy seat every single day, every moment. And do we, do we crave for that mercy seat every day? Or do we crave for earthly things, worldly things, secular things more than we crave to listen to God and his word? And that's a challenge that I've been convicted of. Do we have that same desire and passion to want to know what he is saying to us? Because it's all there and it's all relevant and it's all current. It's not, it's not outdated. It's not old. Everything that he tells us, we just have to trust and obey that he's, he's showing us the light, regardless of those bad relationships of, that, of, uh, of the disease that comes to us of the sickness and the illness that surrounds us. He's still relevant. His blood is still covers us. And sometimes I think we let the, the worldly, um, the voice of the world get in our way on a daily basis, but we have to go to him for that strength. Without, without that strength, we are nothing. So, so thank you for reminding us not to give up on those relationships, not to give up on the healing, not to give up on the disease, but to turn to him with with all the strength through his mercy seat. Amen. And the challenge I had was reminded of a, a saying is the abundant life that he called us is here and now. It's not in the future. It's here and now. Love, hope, and joy. And we live in a world with so much division that he is the only, the only source of love, hope, and joy. So thank you, Cyril. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, my brother. I had asked the brother, uh, Vince, to just like a, give a quick recap in the 
the months and years to go to come, you know, we will continue this journey of meditating on the Word of God. And it is so important that, you know, these words that we listen actually becomes alive in our life, that we can use them every day. I'm going to turn it now over to Ms. Dara, who will lead us in prayer in communion. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin or rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood, poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave, he had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Go ahead and take the elements of bread. Then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Not just one, not to say it. All of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Go ahead and take the drink. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the conference has been unmuted. Hallelujah. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning. We surrender ourselves, Father God, into your mighty hands. Please. God, help us to come closer to you this morning one more time. This body. Father God, and the blood that you shed on that rugged cross, 
Father God, let it bring real to our lives. God, I just pray for every one of my brothers and sisters on this line. If there is anyone in this line that is just like a hurting right now, Father God, as we have taken part in your blood and your bread, Father God, I pray that the healing will begin in their lives, Father God. If, whether it is a physical healing, a mental healing, or a spiritual healing. God, if there is anyone on this line that feels like they are distanced from you, distanced from that mercy seat, Father God, I pray that you will just like to embrace them. Bring them back, Father God, into your fold. God, just like how you said in the words of the prophet Isaiah, Father God, that for your own sake, God, you will remember no more for your own sake. God, remember no more of the yes, things God. that has happened in the past. Father God, we want to leave behind yesterday. Yes. We want to leave behind anything that happened right before this moment, this very moment. Father God, we don't want to hold it anymore. We wanted to leave it behind for you, Father God. Yes. To just blot it out from our lives. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters on this line that is going through any financial difficulties, Father God, this morning. God, as they touch this mercy seat, Father God, let them see the mercy come to them from the sources that needs to bring the mercy. God, fill the house, bless the food, and the water that you promised, Father God, in, 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 and when we do it in obedience, Father, it is you who provide. Mm-hmm. God, we surrender every one of us, Father God, into your mighty hands, our children and our children's children, yeah. Father God, into your hands. God, show mercy to not only us and our children, Father God, to everyone that we touch. God, I pray and bless every one of our hands this morning. God, the Bible says the kingdom's righteousness flow through our hands. God, let your righteousness flow through our hands today. As we touch things, let it become life. Let your kingdom's righteousness, Father God, flow through us into the lives of many. God, help us, Father God, this week to have another glorious time. In Jesus' yes. name, we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. amen and amen. Have an amazing week. Yes. Um, and we will connect yes. next Sunday morning. Thank yes. you, Cheryl. Amen. Okay. Thank you. Everybody have a blessed week. Have you a too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks for everything.